0: Ion 2020, episode 72. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What, what, hold on, hold on. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is, this is ION 2020. I'm not on a cruise yet. I apologize, guys. I apologize. I need to get myself back into the mode of putting out great content for you, and that's what I'm going to try to do Monday through Friday. Uh, I'm even going to do that while I'm on the cruise next week, so I appreciate you coming out and listening, though. Uh, This is Ray Eaton, your host of ION 2020, and I got to get into this serious mode, because this is Friday. And, uh, tomorrow I will be hitting up the Caribbean, uh, listening a little bit of Bob Marley and all that stuff there. But, uh, for now we need to get serious and, uh, and jump right into the news and related events for this 2020 election cycle. Very important. I must say very important. So I apologize for, you know, letting it slip for just a second there. Uh, anyway, uh... Appreciate you listening. If you're a first-time listen- listener, this is a show that is focused on the 2020 elections from a libertarian perspective. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to the show. And if you're a long time listener, I uh, appreciate you subscribing as well. But subscribe to the show and then go ahead and give me a five-star rating and a review. Uh, reviews let me know, you know, how I'm doing and you know, things that you like about the show as well. And if you want to follow me, you can go ahead and do that on Twitter, and that is at IonTheEmpire. You could also find me on Facebook if you just type in IonTheEmpire, and then they Last thing you can do is uh, follow my webpage, which is iontheempire.com. All those places you could probably get a hold of me somehow as well. Um, haven't really set up an email account with the iontheempire the Empire name yet. That is the next step in the evolution of this podcast. And uh, the website that I am now, the uh, that I'm running. So, I appreciate you coming out though and listening. Uh, lots of news that came out. Uh yesterday Julian Assange. Oh man, Julian Assange is now uh arrested and he's likely going to be extradited to the United States for basically being a newsman, right? He's publishing news and they're looking to uh, arrest him because what was it back in you know 2010 he released or his news agency WikiLeaks released the papers that chelsea manning gave to him at the time and that was you know talking about some of the war crimes and some of the things that uh soldiers were doing to iraqi prisoners and you know he's been a wanted man ever since i mean they've been looking to try to get him for releasing those things and then also yet you know now that it's been stirred up that he he supposedly or that he did release All of those emails that Hillary Clinton had, and so forth. I mean, he's going—not him, but his agency—is releasing government documents, and they are going after him for that. Uh, It is a strike to free speech across the world. It's also a strike to free press across the world because it's going to make a newspaper think twice about publishing anything that's top secret that's uh, that's released through a whistleblower, and uh, and that's. I mean thats the challenge there. When you—when you—when a government is willing to arrest somebody for releasing something that a whistleblower gave to them, then they're—I mean the challenge there is that they're going to think twice about it the second time. The publisher, the the, the ownership of that newspaper is going to say, you know what? If it's against the United States, don't publish it because they're going to put out, you know, the CIA is going to go after you, they're going to try to arrest you and extradite you to the United States, and to me, that just seems like a slippery slope to go down. It's not like the Guardian, the people from the Guardian didn't get arrested or extradited to the United States when they released Edward Snowden's revelations from the C- or from his work at the CIA, or the, excuse me, the NSA, when he was releasing the information that said that there was domestic spying going on no way from the guardian got in trouble for that yet uh somehow they try to link julian assange to that as well which that had nothing to do with julian assange that's kind of uh, the mythology that goes along with this whole scenario so just know that that is just one step closer to the um the destruction of the freedom of press and freedom of speech now obviously he was arrested in england and they don't have the same First Amendment protections that we do in the United States. But when he gets extradited to the United States, um, you know, that's going to be a free speech and a free press issue as well. But he doesn't have those same protections in England, uh, obviously, but I, I always thought that, you know, in a Western, from Western civilization, what the West kind of protects free speech. They're supposed to protect uh, freedom of the press and so forth. Uh, I thought I always thought that most countries have some kind of protections in place for somebody like that, and obviously in England they do not. But I, I mean, England—you go to London and there's closed caption TV cameras on every square inch of that city. I think it's—I mean, I've heard that anywhere you go in any town, there's CCTV that's recording what you do, no matter what, and it's all government-run. And so forth. I might be wrong on that. If you are listening and you're in England, go ahead and uh, message me through I am the Empire, my Twitter handle, and let me know for sure. But I mean, that's just what I've heard, that if you go over to England, you're being monitored no matter what, where, no matter where you are. So obviously there's a lot of privacy issues in that country, and now they're arresting a basically a news journalist, somebody that is running a newspaper that's online, WikiLeaks. And to me, that's just that slippery slope. Um, but moving on to other news of the day as well, uh, let's go ahead and find some of the news regarding the the candidates as well. So, if you are a libertarian, you might have heard of the name Justin Amash. He's a U.S. Uh, Senate or excuse me, U.S. congressional representative from Michigan, and he's kind of been in the news lately because he did an interview on the Lions Liberty podcast go ahead and look that up if you want uh, they do a great show uh they have a they have a monday, wednesday and a friday show and mark clare who is the uh i guess the person the first person that started the lions liberty podcast he had got to he he got to interview Justin Amash a couple weeks back and he had asked about justin mosh whether he was willing to you know wanting to run for president on the libertarian ticket there's been a lot of speculation about him deciding to do that and he didn't say no he said it has me thinking about it because i've heard a lot of people talking about the idea of me running for president as a libertarian and it got him thinking about it so there's been a lot of speculation ever since then there's been multiple news articles about the idea of him running for president and what i wanted to do is just kind of give you guys a general rundown on who he is and what he's you know what his what his thoughts are what his beliefs are what his ideas about the government are and so forth and he was first elected in 2010 uh and that was during that tea party movement so he was elected from michigan to go to congress in 2010 And so he'll be 10 years by 2020, how long he's been a congressman for. And he seems to have an easy time getting reelected. And most sitting congressmen do. They don't usually have a lot of people from the Republican side or the Democratic side, if you're a Democrat, running against you, trying to primary use what they call that. Uh, But he was able to get elected and he continues to be elected. And they say he's one of the few libertarians in. The Congress you have Thomas Massey, you have him, you have a few others, but he's always said that the that tea party wave of guys that got elect guys and gals, I guess that got elected into Congress in two thousand ten on that tea party wave when everyone was fighting against Obamacare when everybody was unhappy with the huge amount of bailouts that were going on, and the tea party movement was like fiscal was supposed to be fiscally conservative people that were more. Uh, socially liberal, I guess, I mean, that that stupid idea that libertarians are fiscally conservative, socially liberal. But these are people that were, that basically, I don't know if they're socially or fiscally conservative, socially liberal. I think that they were mostly focused on that fiscal conservative idea that they were going to go in there and try to limit government, limit the scope of government, limit the size of government, cut spending and things of that nature. And that was the dream of the Tea Party movement was to stay away from the social issues and just focus on those uh, those more the, the government policy, the government growth and try to rein in government growth because we were seeing huge growth in government at that time with them taking over the auto industry, with them bailing out AIG, with them bailing out um, you know wall street and the banks and so forth and then they got involved with the banks and tried to make them too big to fail things of that nature so there was a lot of things going on in the government at the time and the tea party wave got ridden and and, uh justin amash was one of those i think thomas massey was one of those as well and uh these guys are pretty true to true to their beliefs in limiting government i know thomas massey is and from what i've listened to justin amash talk it sounds like he is as well and he's been a libertarian-leaning person all his life, he said uh, in one interview that I listened to. But he was uh, elected in 2010. He was previously a member of the Michigan House of Representatives, representing the 72nd District. He's only 38 years old right now, um, but he represents the 72nd District, which is this, represents the city of Kentwood. I don't even know where that is. Um, but then he goes up to the, ca- the townships of ca- Caledonia and Gaines. At the age of 30, Amash assumed office as the second youngest U.S. representative behind 29-year-old Aaron Schock of Illinois. As of January 2016, Amash is the seventh youngest U.S. representative. So he's still a young guy in there, um, idealistic, I'm sure, at the time, which is good because you get kind of entrenched in your ways, and being entrenched in your ways towards a more libertarian stance on things is definitely strong. Um, Having... He said he, he has been described as a diligent member of Congress and a stickler for rules who has never missed a vote. On March 2017, Amash missed his first vote as a U.S. representative due to getting caught up talking with reporters off the House floor. So I guess he's never missed a vote. Um, but his record, from what I've seen, has been very strong from you know voting uh, against the party a lot of times because they're going against the Constitution and go, and voting with the party when they are. But he's known as somebody that's not going to always be a slam dunk vote just because it's a republic- He says he's not going to he's all he said this plenty of times. I've heard him say that he's not going to vote along the party lines because he's there to represent his constituents and protect the Constitution rather than protect the party, which I think is uh, very noble of him to do to, not to get caught up in all of the infighting that's going on in Washington, D.C. among the parties, because you are there as representative of your people now i mean you're representing such a huge amount of people it's hard to represent every single one of them obviously but at least he's there to protect the constitution because he did take an oath to protect that as well and the the constitution of his interpretation i guess because everyone says that they're or everyone that's there takes that oath but everyone interprets the constitution differently i guess and uh but anyway i think he takes more of a uh Conservative view on that constitution as well. Conservative when I say, you know, limiting the government and so forth. So let's hop into his political positions that he has, and see if he would make a good libertarian candidate. And that's the that's the thing, because uh, a lot of libertarians. So he is pro-life. He's against abortion and uh, use of federal funding for abortion. Well, I'm a, I'm against the use of federal funding for abortion, and. I don't know that I would go so far as to have it as a federal issue though. And that's where, so but having federal funding for abortion is definitely wrong. I'm against federal for funding for just about anything. So, or we'll just say I am against federal funding for anything, especially for abortion. But I ty- I kind of stay hands off of that issue here because it's such a divisive issue, and there, you know, it seems like in the political debate there's no middle ground when really there is a lot of middle ground when it comes to the abortion issue. Um, I mean, can you take the morning after pill? Technically that's some sort of abortion, right? Uh, when it's really just happened the night before type thing. But anyway, so he is pro-life. I don't know where he stands, and I'd love to see where he stands on the issue of whether the federal government should you know make it illegal to perform abortions you should arrest the doctor that performed it and things of that nature arrest the mother for having it done things of that nature i i just wonder where he stands on that i haven't really um seen anything through looking through a few different articles about where he stands on that um economic issues a mark. Amash supports free markets with limited government regulation. He advocates for economic freedom and believes that stimulus programs and government bailouts are ineffective ways to energize the economy. He supports adopting a flat tax in lieu of targeted tax breaks and subsidies. Amash opposes central economic planning, which he believes contributes to unemployment, inflation, and unstable business cycles. So from a purely libertarian perspective, he supports the free markets in a Advocates for economic freedom and hands off uh, government hands off of the economy essentially. He does support the flat tax, that's disputable whether libertarians would go for that or not. Uh, I think that if you take the current system and then just make it a flat tax, that's probably better for the economy and for the world. That at least they're only going to steal 15%, right? But, uh, the true you know. Hardcore libertarians, I guess, would say, well, taxation is theft and it's all wrong. And that's an idealistic standpoint, yes. And that's fine to have that standpoint. But in the world that we live in, we do have a a government that confiscates, you know, 30 to 40% of people's wealth a lot of times. So at least having a flat tax might be a step in the right direction. Uh, But it still leaves a lot of openings for people that are going to go and lobby Congress to get a little tax break here and a little tax breaks there. So... Anyway, he was one of four Republicans who joined 161 Democrats Democrats to oppose a constitutional amendment that would require a yearly balanced budget due to serious concerns with that specific proposal. Earlier that year, Amash had introduced H.J. Resolution 81, an alternative balanced budget amendment that addressed those concerns. So... Democrats did oppose a constitutional amendment that would require yearly balanced budget, but he still is for a balanced budget, it seems like to me, just not the way that the Republicans were going to do it. And I'm not sure the exact details of the Republicans' balanced budget amendment, but um, definitely if you are at least for a balanced budget, that's that's definitely a good thing in my eyes. Energy, Amash supported decreased federal intervention in energy-related issues. He wanted to eliminate government-sponsored subsidies for energy production and decrease overall regulation. I agree with that as well. Uh, get rid of regulations and decrease the subsidies because no no industry should have specifically a subsidy just because uh, they're doing what the government wants them to do or not wants them to do. That's basically the government, you know, having its hands in the economy, and that's wrong. Uh, Flint water crisis. Amash was the only representative from Michigan to oppose federal aid in response to the Flint water crisis arguing that the U.S. Constitution does not authorize the federal government to intervene in an interstate matter like this one. That is absolutely true. Uh, That's actually a strong point. And it's actually a point that it's a point that Mark Twain made back in the 1800s, whenever he would he would go to a vote. And there was a story that he had that uh, they were. There was a fire that happened in Washington, D.C., and all the congressmen got together, and they said, hey, let's pass a bill that we're going to help pay for this fire that just happened. And Mark Twain voted against it, and the reason why is because he said that the federal government has no ability and constitutional ability to dole out the money that the taxpayers gave in order to help people, even if they were affected by something as drastic as a major fire in Washington, D.C. So Amash is going right along with that particular idea that, you know, what if if it's not the government's ability, uh, the government has no authority to dole out money to Flint, Michigan, even though it's a major crisis. So at least he's standing strong on that principle. And to me, that's good. And Mark Twain, you know, there's a story about that particular incident. You should look it up. Uh, Mark Twain in a fire in Washington, D.C. And you'll definitely uh, like the story because it really tells Why our government does a lot of things that they do because it's just a popular idea rather than, hey, we're going to hold ourselves accountable to the Constitution and what it says. Um, So on foreign policy, Amash supports decreasing U.S. military spending and believes that there is significant waste in the military spending of the U.S. Department of Defense. He believes only Congress has the power to declare war, criticizing President Obama's military intervention against the Islamic State of Iraq, and intervention in Syria for proceeding without a congressional declaration of war. Uh, He's also against those things that Donald Trump is doing across overseas as well. In 2011, Amash was one of six members of Congress who voted against House Resolution 268, reaffirming U.S. commitment to a negotiated settlement of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict through direct through direct Israeli-Palestinian negotiation, which passed with 407 members' support. So he went way against both parties on that particular thing as well. Um, Amash joined 104 Democrats and 16 Republicans voting against the 2012 National Defense Authorization Acts, which specified specified the budget and expenditures of the Department of Defense, calling it one of the most anti-liberty pieces of legislation of our lifetime. So this guy is really strong on almost everything when it comes to libertarian issues except for the abortion thing but uh i don't think most um, i think most libertarians are 50 50 split on that particular issues and it's something that even in the libertarian uh like what they on the libertarian website is specifically it doesn't you know it kind of says hey this is a very de- de- divisive issue and maybe we should kind of you know step back from that and let people have their own personal opinions. I guess is what is what they say. Uh, gerrymandering. Gerrymandering. Amos has expressed opposition to political gerrymandering. He said in 2008, I firmly or 18. I firmly believe there should be an independent process for drawing districts. They should be based on geographical considerations, and they should be as compact and con- continuous as possible. I also or I always felt the map should be drawn in a way that is less political and more based on geographic considerations. So that's good. Healthcare. On healthcare, on March 4th, or May 4th, 2017, Amash voted in favor of repealing the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, and and to pass a revised version of the American Health Care Act. Amash initially opposed the American Health Care Act, describing it as swamp care, tweeting that, It didn't take long for the swamp to drain then hashtag at real donald trump and criticizing house leadership for attempting to ram it through nevertheless the mosh voted for the updated ahca plan before the congressional budget office could determine its impact or cost he must have had some kind of pressure on that to vote for it i'm not even sure what it is let me go ahead and look it up and see what the american health care act of 2017 often shortened to the AHCA or nicknamed Trump care was a bill in the 215th or 115th Congress. The bill was passed by the United States of House of Representatives, but not by the United States Senate, would have partially repealed the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. Okay, so would have partially gotten rid of Obamacare. So he voted for it. Well, I mean, I think most likely, and this is just rationalizing him more than anything else as he probably voted for it because it was going to repeal some of Obamacare and everyone was kind of a, a lot of Republicans are for that and a lot of conservatives are for that as well. Immigration. In July 2018, House Rep- Republicans introduced a resolution supporting the officers and personnel of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Amash was the only Republican in the chamber to vote against the resolution. He tweeted, The House voted today on an inane resolution regarding ICE." The resolution makes several dubious claims and denounces calls to abolish ICE. I wouldn't abolish ICE without an alternative, but there's no reason to treat a federal agency as though it's beyond reproach and reform. That's interesting. That's good stuff. So, um, and a lot of libertarians are split on the issue of immigration as well. Uh, The split is basically, should there be free flow of labor, so anyone can come to the country, or should a sovereign government be able to protect its borders, to protect the citizens from having to pay, you know, welfare and stuff like that to uh immigrants. And I mean if there was no if you we were in a libertarian utopia, then you wouldn't have to worry about that. But I think that immigration is a good thing. When you had people just coming from Cuba over to the Miami area, it really boosted the economy huge. Like um That particular area, the economy just started booming from all these people that were coming in from Cuba back then, and it helps the economy because these people have to buy food, they have to get shelter, they have family members that are going to take them in, and things of that nature. So I don't think that there's too much of a problem with the immigration issue, and I think that he's on the right side of that issue as well. Uh, same-sex marriage Amash supported a repeal of the Defense of Marriage Act saying that the real threat to traditional marriage and religious liberty is government not gay couples wow that's awesome that he said that Uh, security and surveillance Amash has been frequently a critic of the National Security Agency's anti-terrorism surveillance programs so he's definitely on the right side of that issue as well he voted against surveillance multiple times so that's really strong um, he seems like a straight-up libertarian guy on his votes, and that's pretty good, um, which I, you know, definitely would support him coming over to the libertarians to run as the pres- or run for their presidential ticket, and hopefully he does. That sounds pretty good to me. Uh, he seems like a strong candidate, somebody that knows the ins and outs of Washington in some way, and his voting record is definitely um, in our favor as well as libertarians, so... That's Justin Amash. I wanted to bring a little bit about him to you guys as well today, just because you've been hearing a lot about him on the news, I'm sure, in different places. There's been several articles that I've found about him, so it's just time to do an ION 2020 episode about the guy. So that's Justin Amash, just uh, letting you guys know about him today. Uh, go ahead go ahead and subscribe to the show if it's your first time listening. If you like what you hear, subscribe. If you uh, really like me here, then go ahead and give me that five-star rating review. That'll help me out a lot. And I will make sure that I have as much fun as possible on this cruise because when I come back on that Monday, the 22nd, I will be on fire and ready to go with new news and new related events for you for this 2020 election cycle, all right? Uh, But go ahead and come back on Monday, and you'll have clear vision for the 2020 election.